Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. Great to see so many familiar faces and names. Folks are going to be arriving for a little bit. So click down below and click the chat button just before we begin. Let, let folks know where you're zooming in from. Maybe you meet someone here you recognize. Maybe you recognize something. You're in my bioregion. Queensland, New Zealand, Massachusetts, Florida, Arizona, British Columbia, Maine. Wow, this is wonderful. This is why I do it at four o'clock. It's the morning in Australia and New Zealand. It's a little early for some of you. I do understand that. And it's it, it's late for the Europeans, but they can it's like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock for them. So it's like a really awesome sweet spot that allows us all to converge. And seeing how this is an international community, seeing how there are people just like me doing the same things I am doing, working on the same problems or issues or area of study and exploration that I am, it's powerful. And knowing that you're not alone because you may be in a household community or a place where people are like microscopes, soil science, what? No, 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 dirt's dirt. I know what you're talking about. You're weird. And, <laughs> and, and the reality is there's so much power. So it was the linchpin to all of our systems, to all of our economies. And it's one of those things that's overlooked and undervalued. And when people get it, it's one of those things that you see, if you see it, you can't unsee it. And they realize the value and you all have seen it. You are part, you, the reason you're here is you are part of a community of people that has seen the way the world really works and you, and you wanna harmonize with it. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for being curious. Thank you for being, willing to go deeper than that than, than what everyone else is doing because if we do what everyone else does we arrive where everyone else is and right now everyone all over the world is struggling with fundamentals and and one of those fundamentals happens to be soil and being able to verify things so that we know that what we're doing is real really working and authentic and connected to what we're actually trying to do, right? Not tricking ourselves. That's the core of what I'm after and what you all are too. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of that community that's seeking, that wants to know. All right, I am gonna, we're, we're gonna screen share, we're gonna begin. Here we go. All right, I'm so excited to share this with you all. If you didn't watch the first, webinar check that out that was an incredible event and I, I appreciated so many of you being there supporting that this is going to be another step this is going to be we're going to go deeper this is going to be so much fun so thank you for being here let's let, let's dive in okay <laughs> so there's this revolution going on not that kind of revolution microscopes have gone through this absolute revolution technologically and we, we, we started using multiple objectives and different magnifications. And we started using artificial lighting so that it wasn't just sunlight. So we could make it, we could make it variable. Then we started using cameras on top so we could capture these things and share them with other people instead of it happening only in the moment in that laboratory. Kind of crazy if you don't take a picture of it, right? Um, and, and, and not only that, now we're at a place where we have epifluorescence, we have sophisticated cameras and we have really, really good quality lenses and objectives, and it's never been more accessible. It's never been more affordable and it's never been as powerful as it is now, but wait, before, before we go any further, you know, who am I? Um, I'm Matt Powers. I, I've, I'm an author, educator, entrepreneur, soil expert, seed farmer, and family guy. And I'm also a citizen scientist too. And you may be going, wait, wait, how did that last part happen? Well, <clears throat> hold that thought. We'll come back to that. Let's first talk about like what makes a citizen scientist? What actually qualifies? What, what are the parts? 
because if it's a citizen scientist, obviously we're all eligible, but what, what does it take? Well, number one, it's scientific observation. Okay, you're gonna do observation that's scientific, rigorous, and then you're gonna gather that data over time. So you're gonna be documenting it, gathering it, and then you're gonna be using professional methods and tools and interpretation so you understand it at that level. Like, here's an example. You observe your soil and compost, you test throughout the season and compile your information, perhaps on this our soil database. You use a microscope and an assortment of home tests, like a pH, MBK, salinity, all those kinds of kits we can get on our own at home. And they're generalized enough to give us warnings and give, and, and give us ballpark ideas of what's going on. And then you take action based upon the test results and your interpretations and test results that are all communicating in a conversation, not just pH, not just nitrogen, not just salinity, right? It's all these things in conjunction with the microscope testing and mineral testing. What that is though, when we zoom out and we kind of label these categories a different way is that first part when we're doing science, that's you being in feedback with the natural world. Observation of the natural world is science. And doing it rigorously is finding a metric, you know, measuring it somehow, weighing it. And so, you know what I mean? Counting, whatever you want to do in that space, that we are in feedback with nature when we are doing science. And we're in feedback with the community over time when we're doing something like compiling and sharing it with the community like a database. And then we're sourcing multiple perspectives. That's the interpretation. That's the tools. And then we're taking informed action. So citizen scientists can do all the first three, but what we're doing with, with regenerative soil and regenerative soil science and microscopy is we're being able to take informed action because we're doing the scientific observation in feedback with nature and the community, looking at multiple perspectives, listening to that conversation, and then taking action. Doesn't that sound like common sense? <laughs> well, as my mentor says, common sense is not always common practice. And so how did I become a citizen scientist? Well, I, I've been encouraged to become more and more rigorous over time from different avenues until it became obvious what was happening. And it really started with peer pressure. So it's like one part peer pressure and there's other things too we'll get to. But it's, you know, it's met many different people, Elaine Ingham included, but, but it's really William Padilla Brown's fault. I, I, I love this guy. So he is a citizen scientist. He does citizen science. And he is the one who got me doing DNA testing. And the DNA testing on right as I right, I it was within a few months of getting my epifluorescence microscope, I got this. And so all of this was happening on top of each other and stacked in real time. I was learning all these things at the same time. And so this blew my mind and I realized I had to go to another level. I had to go to new depth. I had to go all the way down to all the original source material and testing methods and tools, learn how to use them, learn how to understand all the, the publications and read them all. And that comes to the next part was curiosity. I wanted to know, but don't you want to know who's in there when you're composting your soil? Don't you want to know who's in your side, your plant and your roots? You're going to eat that. Do you want to know? <laughs> well, that's what got me. I wanted to know. Don't you want to know your inoculants worked? You bought the inoculant. You paid for it. You want to? Don't you want to check? That's 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 what I realized too. And it's wild that folks weren't, but they couldn't until now. So we'll get into why. And and don't you want to know where the nutrients went? Yeah, you can see some of the nutrients. Pretty amazing. So if you want to know who's in there, and I think that you do, 
even in your IMOs, in your compost, we have to go towards more rigor to do that. And, and the final part was responsibility. So I felt the weight of several things. I have thousands of students relying upon me in my online courses. And, and then like way even more so magnified in my books, you know, and then all the downloads of my books uh, and all the free downloads of my books, all those people are relying upon that information. And so I feel that and, and I, I, I meet you folks. I've met you, you know, this is Mamali Mycology. And I have farmers relying upon me as well who are making the food for their families and their communities. And and I feel that responsibility. You all come up to me and, and tell me how I've impacted you when I do these events. And then my peers are relying upon me to do my part as well. We're messaging each other. We're talking to each other all the time. And we meet up at conferences and touch base. And And I feel that. I feel it. But it's also because I was a teacher who taught teachers. So once you like become a teacher, it's like a die you can't kind of take out. It's stained in. And it's a, you know, it's a, my, my mom was a teacher and then my, my mom's mom was a teacher as well. So, but I also taught teachers. I taught teachers how not to use homework, how um, not to use like standardized uh, training programs to prepare for standardized testing, how, uh, they can do their job in the hour allotted for them and do, don't need to use homework and, and they just need to do authentic learning and attach things to prior learning properly. And well, anyway, I can go into it, but that that's my, that's where I came from. I helped them have genuine connection with their students so that the student would see the value in what they're being taught. And, and so I'm always really working on my craft and behind the scenes, coaching and mentoring other people. And I've been doing that for a long time. Um, but, but I it's, 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 it's something I think about constantly is, is how to teach and how to, how to go to another level. I mean, even this presentation right now, you might feel like, man, I've seen Matt do 50 presentations in the past, you know, 10 years. And this one's completely different. <laughs> I hope so. All right. My school had no books. So we wrote our own curriculum. That's why I was able to do all this. I was already on a train of doing this. I actually had to do 150 different preps every year because I, I made student-centered and differentiated curriculum. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure English class. And I also have DIY tattooed on my arm. Um, so it's I, I come from that punk ethic world. Um, I was a musician. I built my own instruments. I built, you know, my favorite instruments are the instruments that I built. And I did that also myself. And so this is like part of like my ethic of what I believe. You got to own something. You got to get to do it yourself because there's this that deep ownership in that. And in that responsibility, you know, what are you uniquely responsible for? Who needs your help right now? What do you who are you responsible to? And if you don't like the word responsible, it's your ability to respond. That's what responsibility, it's a responsibility. So it's your ability to respond. So what are you in feedback with? You, with your family and feedback with your the world around you, the animals that you maybe you're taking care of, the plants, the soil. And then how are you responding? Remember, feedback with nature and feedback with your community over time, sourcing multiple perspectives and taking informed action. This is a cycle. It's a feedback loop with smaller feedback loops built into it. So today I want to share with you three stories. There's three keys to consider with them. These are real stories, but parts of them are things to consider that extrapolate out. Let's begin. So one day I got an email from a professional beekeeper, and this is the email. 
And so he was watching my stuff. He has, you know, these peaches and these oranges, their citrus greening. He found this abandoned pine forest orchard uh, surrounding the citrus trees that were fine. I, I explained to him, you know, regenerative, regenerative soil basics, you know, acidity, reduction, oxidation in the next email. And I was able to help him very quickly change things in one season. And so we he was able to spread that soil, those IMOs that were in that soil and ramp them up using recipes. And he was able to, to, to take care of the citrus greening. But in the peach section, he was able to get like this incredible reaction because there wasn't anything already holding it back. Because, you know, when we're healing, the energy that comes in goes towards healing. You're not going to be bulking up muscle wise while your body's trying to heal. Your body's going to heal and use that energy there. And then you're going to, you're going to be able to build after that. And you know what I mean? And so he was able to have this crazy reaction. He's sharing it with people in need, people who are hungry and he's feeling so much gratitude. I, I just was so happy about this. This made my day. Obviously this made his season. And this changed everything for him. And he's a beekeeper. You know what I mean? Like this is, this was not his wheelhouse. He, and, 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 and now it is. And it was just a few emails, you know, and now he's got peaches in abundance, citrus greening taken care of. He applied specific recipes in a specific pattern that harnessed the IMO in that abandoned orchard that stabilized his entire system in less than one season. That's regenerative soil. That's that book, Regenerative Soil. It's a game changer. But what if he had added epifluorescence to that? What if he was able to look at the roots or the leaves or the fruit? He was able to see things before they grew to a macro scale. And he was able to see things at a micro scale. What, what happened then? It's a new story. Now he's keeping track before they become a macro scale problem. Obviously that's not peaches, but I didn't have a peach picture, but he's also verifying his inoculations are a hundred percent. And obviously contextually, you know, hundred percent of potential inoculation is what I'm saying here. Unless we're talking specifically AMF, which works well, because this picture is of AMF. And it can go to 100% in that case. But you want to know that your inoculations actually worked. Whether it's your, your garden, your landscape, or your fruit. You want to know. And you also want to be able to witness that the observed benefits are, are, like, like are connected to that. Like if you get great fruit, but there's no inoculation, it wasn't the, inocula the lack of inoculation. You know what I mean? You just had spores most likely in your inoculant rather than propagules. And so the root grew past the spore before the spore even sporulated. So there was no effect. Timing is everything when it comes to this. So we want to make sure that there's a clear connection between the, the actual work that you're doing and the benefits. In this case, I didn't have a peach picture. But um, this is my cover crop, you know, doing regenerative soil practices. You also can make biofertilizer blends that are your own. This is like based on the same consortium that's in EM. But you can make it so that it can be verified. And this is actually EM. In my book, Regenerative Soil Microscopy, I really like to have lab verified samples of everything. And so I've got product samples, lab samples, and all sorts of things to just show us verifiable species and samples so that we develop our eye properly. Because when, when, when you bring everything together in, in the compost or in the soil environment and it's chaos, you know what I mean? It's, it's much easier when you've seen these things isolated out. And all this leads us to this concept of making informed decisions. You want to know the information before you actually make the decision so that you make the right choice. I mean, now he can help way more people. You know what I mean? He can help other farmers 
He can help way more in so many different ways because he has the knowledge that just the, the microscope opened up and the actual cycles that came from observation of nature. So when we're in feedback with nature, when we're in harmony with the cycles, which, uh, which is regenerative soil, when we are supplementing what's missing, catalyzing the cycles that have, 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 have frozen or stopped or are missing, we put things back into order and it unlocks in abundance. This is the first key to consider, the unlock of abundance. This is something I think you should write down because how are you going to unlock abundance? Because there's a ceiling on anything you're doing right now because you can't see whether or not your inoculation worked, whether or not your plants are struggling or thriving at that level. And when we can tell at that level, we can protect our plants before things happen. And you can notice things early and you can treat it. You can see your inoculation was 30% and do it again. Soil soak, easy. You buy, you have to buy those bags in bulk anyway. But this way you don't lose the opportunity. This way you can verify that the inoculant before you even use it is the right kind. You can buy a sample and look at it and go, Shh, this is all spores. Uh-uh. You save time, you save money, and you get that guaranteed response, which is abundance. And since this is still a reality, and since this is still a reality, notice the uh, bark beetle is the, the, the brown, reddish brown up top among the green. And then the fire is where it's see-through. This is uh, Central Valley, California, where I used to live. As you noticed, like, it's not like there's pines growing up in there. It's all, it's all grassy. It's all weedy. It's pretty wild what's happening. But what if? What if those trees were always inoculated, though? Look at those trees. These were planting. They just did the clear cut. This is what the foresters are doing. This is what's all part of forestry. What if they checked on the young trees to make sure the inoculations took? You show up three months later, one out of a hundred trees, they sample and look at their roots. And right there, they've got like a, a shield around their thing. They do the epifluorescence right there and then. And they're like, wow, all these trees fully inoculated. We're good to go. Mission accomplished. Man. Wouldn't that be different? Because even when they started, which was rather recently, you know, remember this? We've we've been we've been logging six since the 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 sixteen hundreds, seventeen hundreds in earnest. In fact, they went west because they ruined the soil and they had logged everything out and all this stuff. All the resources, the natural resources, the abundance, yeah, they'd mined it out. And they replanted it without any inoculants. None of it's inoculated. And they selected what they wanted to do. So they weren't inoculated. They were essentially um, the trees in America. The reason Masanobu Fukuoka traveled America and said every the, the whole landscape was sick. The reason that Bill Mollison traveled through America and said all these trees are going to die. Um, was they could see that these trees were just like city trees. None of them were inoculated. None of them had mothers. So the mother tree is, in a, is a very important thing. They not only pass on sugars and nurse the seedlings, but they give genetic information. And they calibrate the new seedlings and new trees to the actual environment. These these are these are not the same kind of plants at all. There's no knowledge. There's there's no um, selection happening. When you think about how they do a thousand seedlings from thousands of seeds, and then they have like two to ten grow. It's not how it goes in a nursery. They're planting all the seeds and growing all of them out, and then planting all of them. 
see something, there's something going on different there, right? We can now fix at least the mycorrhizal inoculant part and start the forest over again. And now those, these will become the mother trees of the new generation of forest. We also can protect the IMOs that are present because if you, you have epifluorescence, you can see them. And these IMOs are not being, I mean, oh my gosh, the ethnobotany of North America, the archaeology of North America, they do not want that to be examined. The plant medicine of North America, they do not want that to be examined. That's why the Museum of Natural History dumped all those bones, billions of dollars of bones into the East River because they want their version of history to be the version of history. And so they're willing to destroy everything else. Uh, and we see that same attitude in the GMO world where they're creating GMO microbes that are going to displace and destroy all the natural IMOs. Uh-huh. But this is how we're going to protect them, okay? This is how we're going to protect them. And, and this is also how we're going to unlock restoration. Let's write that down. Because without the these keys to understand the world around us, we can't, we can't, we can't restore anything um, because we're blind. So we need to see those IMOs and document them in order for them to, to actually be included, to fully restore things properly. Meanwhile, no one's doing this. We don't look, we don't see. If no one documents them, they functionally don't exist. Let me say that again. If no one's actually showing that these things are there, everyone assumes there's nothing there. I mean, think about this. I was taught that DNA is like a fixed thing in high school. And then I learned like when you get colds, you know, or in a virus and it screws up your genes expression and that's what the symptoms are. And I was like, whoa. And then I learned out about epigenetics and, you know, Dis uh, Discover Magazine cover DNA is not destiny in 2006 changed everything for me. And so if we don't look, we assume the world is flat. We assume the world is, is a story, a really like small, simplified, buttoned up story. And so the only the way that we've learned is to open up our, our frame of observation wider and wider and wider and look deeper and deeper. New telescopes, new microscopes, uh, DNA testing. I mean, think about how many lives, you know, DNA testing has saved people wrongfully accused. Th these breakthroughs are changing the world around us and allowing things that weren't possible to become possible. And they were there the whole time. That's why we can go back 40 years and, and, and 30 years and liberate that prisoner. Cause it's, cause be, be, because it's because they it existed then too. And this is why we need soil testing databases. You know, this is why our soil database is my focus in 2024 after this course launch. And it will include all the folks that are in that, co that course. And the people that are part of the Kickstarter, people part of Introduction to Regenerative Soil Microscopy, people part of Regenerative Soil, all these people are going to be part of filling in the beta testing part of this database. And so we're going to be looking for the first time at all these different variables and aligning them. And then looking across at all of our results, all, all of our organic matter by bioregion across all the tests, right? Globally, right? And then ranking it so that we, we actually can see these things, keeping it so that our data is usable. You do a test, it disappears. So where's that test from last year? This allows us to keep continuity and be able to easily compare things. And the idea behind all this is to create all these points of distinction, including DNA. Uh, and that's why Stephen Russell's DNA soil thing is so awesome because it will just fold and connect that in.
all of it will allow us to have the most detailed comparative and public database ever for soil and soils linchpin to all systems, all economies, all civilization. And being able to compare and contrast, be able to see 50 examples of something is how we develop our, our fluency. So more testing equals more protection and more understanding, more information, better decision-making. So what if we restored the native soils and healed the sick forests? What if we did that? What if we discovered unique IMOs that sped up the restoration? Because you know they're there in the native fertile areas. They're still there. Maybe not all of them, but most of them are still there in those, those protected areas, those, those areas that are untouched. We speed up because we know what works, because we can see that it works, because we tested it, because we looked, and therefore we saw. Did you know 22 days before I was born, there was a paper written? This paper is about epifluorescence before epifluorescence was like a thing. So they use ultraviolet induced autofluorescence. This is epifluorescence. Okay. And this paper is 1981 or 1982, excuse me, 22 days before I was born. Um, this is Elaine Ingham's. She wrote this. Obviously she's using microscope that was a university microscope because of the mercury vapors, the danger of that. And you would never want to bring this into a home. Notice at the bottom there, they're still referencing this in 2008. So this is important. She did important work, but like so many of us in grad school and in, in, in getting our PhD or doctorate, that's, we just did the work because that's where we were in that time and place. Elaine Ingham also did uh, some incredible breakthrough work in uh, marine biology, and she almost did ocean work. Kind of crazy, right? You know, alternative reality Elaine's are something that I think about sometimes. Um, same thing with myself. You know, I was a professional musician. Uh, if we hadn't left New York City, I would still be in the band that uh, I had to find the replacement for myself. I had to find the replacement for myself because they wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't fire me. They would fly me across the U.S. to rehearse on base. Yes, it's it, hard to quit, right? And so I found the person that was perfect for the job and that was 2007 and they're still in the job. So I would still have that job right now. And you guys would be watching like Everyday Rage. Well, Everyday Rage is over now, but you would have watched and seen me on there over and over and over again. Um, that would have been my life. We would have been gone to Tuscany every single year with Rachel Ray and John. That would have been my life. They thought I was crazy for leaving that life because they're like, you know, you, you just stick with us and we just have fun the rest of life. I was 18 when I met John. I was, he was like an older brother and Rachel's like my aunt. So we're not related or anything, but, but, but for real though, like I could have stayed there. That could have been Matt. And I think about Elaine like the same way. She could have been a marine biologist and she could have been like saving the oceans right now, but instead she decided to do soil specifically with nematodes. You became a nematodologist. Do you guys know that? She's a nematodologist. That's what her field is. And so, and so she did this work and then, then moved on. But what if she actually followed that path? This is the fun one for today, okay? So what if Elaine Ingham Followed the mycorrhizal epifluorescence path in the 80s. Where would she be now? Right? She would be the fungal mycorrhizal queen and right. And she would she would be like like Mike Amaranthus, but bigger. It's pretty wild to think about. But she also planted that seed for 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 me and my heart when I began at soil and what's so wild, she planted this seed in this paper right before I was born for me to find underneath the description of this microscope and that seeing her name there and reading the article got me so excited 
that I bought this microscope. That's the reason, you guys. It was that serendipitous knowing. You know, you feel it in your heart. It hits you and you're like, whoa. Wow, this is like something left in the path of my mentor. And now it's here in this new form. And we're going to talk about that right now because, you know, it was mercury vapor. And the lamps only lasted 2,000 hours and they'd explode. So you had to take it out before it was used up. So you're timing the usage. Whoa. Very different than now, okay? And there's only one company I know of that does this. It's LW Scientific. It's the only company I know, but, but you can adapt this to anything, right? Um, there's adapters because this is a standard. Um, uh, this right here is standard, the, the ad adapter on this. And so you can, you can figure out how to use this, this unit, but it's LED. There's no vapor. There's no, the, 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 how many of you have LEDs in your house? And it's not, it's cyan blue, but it's not going to destroy your eyes. That's why there's no shield. A lot of these UV lights that people are using to do mushroom hunting, you know, some of them are, are messy in terms of the light. It's like pollution hurts your eyes. You get a headache. It feels like you're hot. Your eyes are hot. Mm -hmm. This is not. Okay. This is safe, which is an incredible thing because you just pull this little arm here. Doot, doot, you see that blue flash? I'll do it again. You see that blue there? That's the filter not being filtered. Now it's being fully filtered. Do you see that? It's a cyan blue light. It's 490 uh, nanometers um, uh, wavelength to be precise. Now imagine you get this email, okay? You got the microscope, you saw your mentor's name on it, you started using it, uh, your friend's doing DNA sequencing, you're learning all this at the same time, you're kind of like in like crunch mode. There's been like some crazy, terrible and hard personal things that have happened. You've like saved your family and now you, you like you're doing all this work, you're working so hard. And then you get this email. This is Mike Thomas from LW Scientific. And he says, hi, Matt. Want to let you want to check with you first. Dr. Lane and her assistant, Carla, are working on their fluorescence imaging, and I'm working with them to improve their images. It seems that you are creating some amazing fluorescence images. And I wondered if it would be okay for me to forward this email with the two images, corn seedling for them to reference to show them how good it can be. And it was like a mic drop right it was like a kong. i was like what is holy cow okay like okay so i guess i'm really onto something and then i remember the article i'm like wow so it was mercury vapor so she she was like mm, i want to stay healthy and she didn't mess with it wow okay so no one and then i started doing searches and i realized no one was using epifluorescence other than certain universities, and it was all the mercury vapor. So no one had this technology. No one was using it in a functional way because of the mercury vapor lamps and the fact that they were $30,000 up until recently. Mine was 6000 with a discount, a 40% discount. My students that sign up now get a 50% discount on that, plus all the goodies that I use, uh, like the condenser, um, the dark field condenser, the extra objective, all of it, all 50% off. But I realized the responsibility I had in that moment. I was like, whoa, whoa. I needed to like double all my efforts. I need to triple my all my efforts, go deeper than I've ever gone and verify everything and find the experts because I'm on the cutting edge so far out there that my mentor is learning from me. I didn't anticipate that to happen so quickly. The message I got through meditation and prayer about this is it's our story now. The timing of it, the, the way it's an offshoot and she let it go. Way, the, and I do this too. I've made suggestions for things and ideas I've spun 
and then let it go. And then people have made it real and then brought it to me and be like, I did it. And I'm like, that's amazing. And it's something I said in a video like this, and then they turned it into a business. And I realized that's how good teaching is. The best teachers are always going to have students that go beyond them. I learned that in, in, in high school when John Carippo was teaching photography and film and his students were way better than him. And I was like, what are you doing? How did you do that? How is that even like possible? And he was like, you know, it's not osmosis that we're doing, right? It's like, I'm not like giving you like my abilities or my skill. Like that's not how it works at all. There's a process and a pattern and you follow it and you go through it with them and they start teaching themselves and they start growing and they take off if you do it right. And then the sign of you doing it right is they start teaching you. The highest level of teaching of learning is teaching, Matt. And it was one of the most profound lessons that I ever learned. And that's why in my classroom, I would have the students finish their, their, their learning uh, projects and everything by teaching the class what they learned. They became the teachers. They presented, stand and deliver. So it's here for us. These opportunities, these growth moments, it is here for us to, to be able to access, to be able to, to connect with for you, for me, and for our communities. And that's why I share so much and share how it's not just, I mean, I'm writing books and teaching people how to use this in all these different ways. Okay. And I want that to happen. I want it to spread. And, 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 and that's why I feel so strongly about all this. And you've got to know, this is not hard. I'm placing the root on a glass slide and turning on the light. You know, I'm just going, do, 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 do. But because I have done this for a bit, I understand what it means. I understand how to get the best images uh, be, because I've done it enough. And so like these bright images, these bright lights, I turn off. I operate like it's a dark room. That's part of why I get such good images. I'll give you another secret if you want. Um, your base, uh, your the base of your unit, even when it's off, it's outlined. So you need to unplug or turn off physically the whole lower unit and you get better pictures. Again, light control, thinking about light. That's what led to so many of my breakthroughs. I'm finally like reconnected and talking to my my college roommate, the one who taught me about all that. He's a photographer. I literally asked him this morning if he's still taking pictures, but he's the reason why I had all those breakthroughs about light. And I, I, I experimented, I played. And that exploration led to massive breakthroughs. So when we have new tools, when we have an understanding of this space, you unlock exploration. This is another thing to write down. Third key to consider, unlock exploration. What, what is an unknown? Have you thought about that? They always try to teach us that they know everything in college and in government and all these places of authority. They try to like teach us that like they are the voice. I am the science, right? They, but that's not true at all. That's not how life actually works. What are those edges? where there is an unknown, think about that. Let it unfold. This is how I do my work. I am serious, guys. I think this way. I let things unfold. I let things, I do tons of reading. I'm obsessive. I wanna know everything that's been written on a subject because it's finite. You gotta pay for a lot of things, someone $500 just to get a section of a book that's incredibly expensive. But I do it. And then I sit with that information and let it gel and communicate and argue inside me. Because remember, I got that semi-photographic memory because of my mom. And I think about it all and I let it, I ponder. And then I start doing experiments. I'm like, is that true? I want to see that. That'd be crazy looking. 
and it is crazy looking. That's the truth. <laughs> and when we live in a world where 90% of the biology is unidentified, remember this three to 5% and some people say 10% um, of the biology has been identified in the soil. Really? You know, if I tell my wife, I'm only three to 5% sure about something. Do you know the look I get? Come on now, you know the look I get. So, 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 and it could be your, any of your spouse, you know, it doesn't have to be your wife. They're going to be like, you're, don't do it. If you're that unsure, don't do it, honey. You know, they're confused. Why are you even asking me? Right? Yeah. Where did that certainty come from? Why aren't people creating, crafting navigational ways of exploring this space rather than these definitive, because there's no definitive. You can't be definitive. So the way they've been doing things, it's pretty shocking when you actually put the pieces together and have all... I, that's the thing is I, I basically have all the pieces. I bought the bacteriology volumes. I have burgies. And they're trying to cover burgies up and zip it up and make it so no one can have access to that. Right now, as fast as possible. Wiley's is doing it. And when prior testing didn't even use epifluorescence, it really raises the question can we trust all that? And I know if you know about the replication problem in science, 60% of psychology is non-replicable. They're questioning everything. And now people are going and looking at the other sciences and going, oh my gosh, this isn't replicable either. And it's spreading. And it's because people thought of science as this fixed thing or this thing where you know, you get to just get through and the only people that really check your answers are your, your, your doctorate uh, professors and, and maybe the, and then you get your tenure, right? Whew, we have a problem. And so we need to use these new tests and we need to do the tests in a citizen science venue publicly so that we can actually see what's going on. Because when no one was actually checking their roots, how do they know it was actually the, the, the effect? You know, um, and I know, yeah, at the universities they were, and that's where they created those studies. I get that totally. They had the machines, but all the farmers don't. Farmers don't. Farmers aren't going taking their crops every. You check the roots. You know, they're not doing that. You know, there's no community lab that can do it either. Until now, do you see the possibilities here? Do you see how we've been doing things blind? and how people have been definitive without any of these tests. And then the whole numerical thing in all of soil science, not, 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 not even people focused on compost or any of that stuff, all soil science, their sampling and the numeracy is wrong. And so we'll, we'll discuss that next time. But this side of it, this is like rock solid. What we're seeing, we're seeing it. We're seeing rhizophagy. We're seeing the inoculation. Boom. There's no like calculation and then we'll rise to the ML and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. I see it. I see the fungi. Boom. That's our buscular microbiome fungi. Look at it glow. Look at its relationship. Look at its, its morphology. And this technological breakthrough is new. Remember this? I know some of you are young and you're like, what is that? Oh, that's a museum piece, right? Okay, this is the world I got to see rise. I began with a typewriter. I didn't put that on here because I know most of you will be like, a typewriter? What are you talking about, Matt? <sighs> but you guys remember this mostly. Most of you remember this. The sounds, the clack all that kind of stuff the tracking on the the, the the laser printer got off how do they compare to this 
How does that compare? That's what we're in. That's what this is. To rat. This is a revolution. You can grow at a new level. I want you to know that you can grow at a new level. If you can see these things, if you can verify that the work you're doing is working, you can serve at a new level. You can serve your community through your farm or your consulting or your lab or your teaching. You can do it at a new level. You can serve at a new level. What if you became a citizen scientist? That's the question today. What if you became a citizen scientist? What would you, what would you document? What would you observe? How would you share it? What are the multiple perspectives that you would source? And how would the actions you take be different because you were now informed Just imagine that. You know the right action. Take that next right action. See it. Feel it. You can do this. If you want to learn more, join us for the live Q&A that we're going to have right now and the next webinar. And we're going to do a giveaway. So I have the books coming in bulk. So we're going to give away a physical copy of the regenerative soil microscopy book that's on its way. That is the first print of it. And please join us next week. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this community. You, you guys are special people. They're, you're here with me. You, you stuck it out through that whole, that whole presentation. You're here to serve. You're here to learn. You're here to grow. Join us next time, more giveaways, and we're going to do some myth busting, which is always fun. I'm, I'm so excited for it. I will see you there. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. I'll see you guys next time. I've, I've, I've unmuted you or asked Bye you to unmute. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Nice Cheers. being here. Have a great Thank you for being Thank here. You. Woo, woo, woo.